This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Fake Ads. Are you trying to make your podcast or YouTube video sound more legitimate while single-handedly trying to save the earth without selling out to soulless corporations? Try Fake Ads for all of your fake advertising needs. Although, come to think about it, if someone wants to sponsor this podcast, I'd be totally cool with selling out. Just saying. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is the Kaiju groupie, Michael. Hey, everybody. And we also have a very special guest on this week's episode. It's Dr. Z, uh, who is a wonderful, wonderful creator and... uh, PhD. <laughs> so you're you're raising the pedigree of this podcast. <laughs> Hello. Hey, try whatever I can do to help. <laughs> so um, we wanted to we're so happy to have you on this podcast. Uh, and I've been looking forward to this ever since I first reached out to you. <laughs> I have been just looking forward to having you on. And uh, so would you like to introduce yourself to some listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work? Sure, absolutely. Um, So yeah, I'm Dr. Emily Zarka. I have a PhD in literature, but more importantly, I'm a huge horror nerd. So I am the creator, writer, and host of a show called Monstrum with PBS on YouTube. We're in our second season, and essentially I deal with everything spooky. My show looks at how monsters have meaning throughout history and i'm also a very huge fan of mothra she's my queen so i'm excited to be here today to talk about her (laughs) well that's excellent i have to say i am a huge fan of monstrum uh i i have been watching and your most recent episode as of this recording was Mm -hmm. um about the djinn the genies Mm -hmm. and that was super fascinating for me because i I'm one of those people who I think you even mentioned in there. A lot of people Mm -hmm. may think of the genie from Aladdin and, Mm -hmm. you know, the genie from popular culture as just being from a lamp and giving three wishes, not realizing all of the uh, history and the religious significance Mm -hmm. to these beings. And so that was just super fascinating. Yeah. Jen, I loved the Jen episode. Our illustrator, um, Samuel, was even more fantastic uh, with the illustration. That was a fun one to do for sure. Yeah, it definitely was. It was a lot of fun to watch, too. Um, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. so uh, knowing that you're such a you know big fan of monsters and yeah. like we said, your your uh, YouTube channel or your YouTube show is all about monsters. Uh, what really got you into monsters? Where did your love for monsters start? Um, so I like that I was born to love monsters. Um, my mom notoriously read Stephen King when she was pregnant me. And just growing up, some of my earliest memories were watching, you know, the Triple B sci-fi movie TV with her. And I saw Empire movies at a young age. And I just got into sci-fi and horror like Richard Sin and Stephen King, probably when I was a little too young um, to read it. (laughs) But I've loved monsters ever since. And before it was something that I felt, to be honest, that I had to hide. Um, As a girl, right, I'd be considered weird if I found all this 
spooky things hallucinating. So I'm glad that I'm doing my inner child out now by being a loud and proud expert. It's super oh, wow. interesting, uh, Dr. Z, that you said that is because I feel like, because Travis and I did an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about how we're in the sort of in the middle of this um, giant monster renaissance uh, where mm-hmm. it's now sort of cool to be a giant monster yeah. fan or just a monster fan in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have a couple of theories on that, but I think part of it has a lot to do with visibility um, and just with things like the internet and people being right. able to communicate, you know, their likes and their habits. And I think with, you know, all these shows and movies that are popping up and becoming cool to like sci-fi or horror, that more right. people I think are writing more horror being open about love for it. And I, of course, am here for it. I hope it continue very long. Um, um, but I do think monsters and horror have been around for forever. I mean, that's pretty much what mm-hmm. my show covers. And I think that, again, just visibility and technology we have now allows for that to be more obvious. Like it's always been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely understand. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, our podcast, we focus a lot on kaiju, which, um, you know, most people refer to as just the Japanese monsters. But for mm-hmm. me, I have a looser definition of what kaiju yeah. is. <laughs> very loose. Very, yeah. very loose. I mean, oh, because I go with with uh, the the literal translation of strange mm-hmm. beast, yeah. and and so to me, uh, you know, Clifford the Big Red Dog is a kaiju. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, funnily enough, I was actually named after uh, the little girl in Clifford. And my name is Emily oh, Elizabeth. Wow. Yes, which my oh, mom wow. tries to deny, and I like to tell people I was named after Emily Dickinson, but that's a lie. I was named after. <laughs> <Clifford>, <laughs> <laughs> well, if they ever do a Clifford, well, actually, no, they are doing a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Oh my gosh, maybe love. you need to come on and help yeah. us review that one. <laughs> I would love to. It's but, funny because yeah. it all comes full circle now because you do a lot of work now with PBS, and I believe mm-hmm. uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is a PBS prop- property. I think I'm not. You might right. Yeah. 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 It's mysterious ways, man. <laughs> so uh when you uh when did you first get into well we talked about monsters in general but when did you mm-hmm. first like get into the kaiju like the what we what most people consider kaiju like Godzilla yeah. and Mothra mm-hmm. things like that I think I got into kaiju pretty late um I know that I really didn't start getting into comics until my undergrad work um when I was mm-hmm. in the University of Colorado and I actually did PR for the first like Denver Comic Con there and- I was like crap i have to read all these comics and of course sort <laughs> wow. of into um kaiju through the comics um like the godzilla mm. variation comics and then honestly just researching for monstrum when i was starting to pitch the show and i was you know looking for different country monsters and what they mean and instantly to me it seems super obvious godzilla and the atomic bomb and mm-hmm. with that connection i started looking further and then, yes, saw the Mothra movie and was like, this is the best thing ever. She's an amazing female <laughs> monster. I'm obsessed with her. And ever since then, yeah, I've been a fan. So you got to read gems like uh, Godzilla Goes to Hell. And... Yes. <laughs> yes, which I, I love the artwork um, in that comic a lot, actually. I think yes. it's quite yeah, beautiful and haunting. Beautiful. 
yeah storyline but i love the artwork yeah <laughs> well i think that's a staple for a lot of the monster comics is the mm -hmm. storylines are eh, but the artwork is always fantastic <laughs> yeah i actually um if you all are ever interested every october um i do 31 days of horror comics where i post like a one sentence summary of all my favorite horror um comics of the year so oh, i think wow. Yeah, I do all of the good and the bad, and I try to pick um, the stuff that at least I think has an incredible storyline and incredible art. So there is some good stuff out there. Uh, I think I have to maybe do a little bit more digging for it. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely be interested in that. Yeah. I'm more of the comic fan than Michael is. He okay. reads, you know, he reads the stuff that's like connected to Godzilla and stuff. Mm -hmm. But but I I've been a comic book fan since I was a kid. Um, so yeah, that's definitely really interesting. Um, but yeah, we are so glad to have you. I'm glad that you're bringing your love and enthusiasm for these things uh, to this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we can go ahead and jump into the main uh, episode. Um, we're going to start with um, some news. We always do news at the beginning of our episodes mm -hmm. because uh, finding good giant monster movie news um, sources for it is kind of you know spread out all over. So we like to kind of bring it all together to give mm -hmm. you know a place for it. Um, but this week it was a, a slow news week. So we only have a few things. Uh, the first thing that we want to do is just announce a giveaway that we as Kaiju weekly are doing for some of our fans. And Michael, do you want to uh, let the listeners know about that? Sure. Uh, so basically we want to show some love back to our fans. Uh, and we're going to be giving away a copy of the Steelbook release, Mill Creek Mothra 1961. Uh, so it's going to be super easy uh, to enter. All you have to do, Travis, if I'm correct, if I if if, if I'm correct about this, uh, follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, uh, and leave a review for the podcast. And uh, in one week from now, we are going to be give it. We are going to be drawing that name out and then we'll send you out uh, an email or a direct message uh, letting you know you've won and where we need to send your prize to. Yeah. So we're doing that as a thank you to everyone. Uh, and so it's just that simple. If you want to just uh, leave a review for the podcast on iTunes and like we said, follow us on social media uh, and mostly Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter uh, and we're going to tweet out about this giveaway. So you can even retweet uh, that to let us know that you have done it and we will draw a name and send it out to you um also we're doing a giveaway of t-shirts for all of our patreon supporters because we know that right now with everything going on in the world it's it's really a difficult financial time for a lot of people so we want to give a special thank you to the people who are still patreon supporters for us right now during all of this and so if anyone is supporting us uh has been supporting us or ha will sign up between now and may 6th i think yes. is what i said yeah may, yeah, 6th. may 6th uh if you sign up anytime by then at the ten dollar level we will send you a free Kaiju Weekly themed t-shirt because uh, we are so thankful for people who are willing to support us during this difficult time. But we also understand that people can't support us. And so don't feel pressured for any listeners. Don't feel like you have to support us, but just 
we want to give a special thank you to the ones who can. Uh, and so, and we have plenty of awesome, I say awesome because I'm the one that did them, uh, designs and t-shirt <laughs> designs. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. Yeah. I mean, we have the Save the Flying Turtles with Gamera. We have, um, what else do we have? We have Visit Monster Island. We have a nice little Monster Island Visit uh, Monster Island t-shirt. We have uh, Ask Me About My Kaiju Agenda. Um, we have a lot of just fun uh, t-shirts so uh, you guys can look at those and if you want one specific you can let us know Travis you forgot one the most Which important one? one the most Which important one? one oh yep hashtag justice for Baragon <laughs> that of course how could I forget oh. uh, because Baragon does not get the respect he deserves in the Godzilla movies and the Toho movies so we have a t-shirt that is hashtag justice for Baragon <laughs> Um, and yeah, so that's that's all. We just wanted to get that out of the way up top for everyone who was listening, if they're interested, so we can get into the actual real news uh, for the week. Uh, so the first bit of news, Godzilla vs. Kong has more competition in November as more movies change their release date to November. So... Um, it just it seems like November is becoming more and more crowded, isn't it? Yeah, November has <laughs> with movie November releases. has turned into what the new May or the new March. <laughs> I can't remember when the slow month is for movies. I I want to say it's May is the slow month for is the typical slow month for movies. Uh, but now everything's just going to be crammed into November, and I mean, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. We are going to get back to we are going to get back into the world and out of our quarantine, and you know, we're all going to have to. Uh, we're all going to get be so excited to go and visit people and spend money and, and do the things we missed. Uh, but man, it's November. I'm looking at the list, some of the movies scheduled for November and shoo, there's going to be a lot. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. see why. I mean, a lot of folks are going to be spread thin. I'm not, I'm not uh, as far as choosing which movies they want to go to. And I'm afraid that maybe Godzilla versus Kong may not be at the top of that list. I, Cause I see several Marvel and Disney movies that are coming out in that month that are stiff competition for the King of the Monsters. Um, so yeah, uh, I I wish that they would move it to maybe 2021. Like I, I think, like you and I have talked about in episodes past, they're going to get our mm -hmm. money regardless. So just move the film, try to make it as successful as possible. Uh, Emily, what do you what do you think about it? Have you been following any of this? A little bit, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's really interesting times right now, and it's fascinating how it's all playing out. But I agree. I would love to see Godzilla vs. Kong to get a huge release. Um, I think it would be smarter maybe to push it even to, like, beginning of January, make it, like, the year of the kaiju, and just push it really hard. But that being said, I'm like you guys. I'm still going to go. I'll be there with my, you know, kaiju shirt on and hoping Mothra <laughs> somehow makes an appearance, but... Oh, that I is, hope so. I hope so. My running theory right now is that Mothra swoops in to break up the fight, and so we really don't get a winner. That's I would stand be... up and cheer. I would 100% stand up and cheer <laughs> in the theater, no shame. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. boys. Okay, boys. Enough yeah. is enough. We have, we, have, we have bigger things to worry about. Exactly. There's a giant Mecha Godzilla over there in the corner we need to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you guys. I, I'm, you know, I'm excited for the movie. I'm going to go see it no matter when it gets released, mm -hmm. but just 
for the benefit of box office and for you know it becoming you know being financially successful mm -hmm. i do think it yeah it's probably a good idea for it to move with so much competition yeah. um and and it, it does it doesn't really hurt the film that much in my opinion at least from my point of view because they haven't really done a lot of marketing for it yet yeah. so they don't have to adjust very mm -hmm. much to I mean it. heck you do it in December and make it like a big Christmas thing like go see it with your family see, that's exactly what the yeah guys, that's what other people have been saying I would love it yeah. in December like Christmas kaiju like the guys from Tokyo yes. live said Christmas kaiju. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and and you know we don't have a Star Wars movie this year exactly. uh, and Star God. Wars has been <laughs> uh, Star Wars has been for the last few years has been that you know Christmas time mm -hmm. movie that everyone looks forward to so why not replace it why not fill that spot with godzilla versus kong um so yeah but we'll just have to wait and see uh mm -hmm. what happens and we will announce it here on the podcast when we hear more news on what they plan on doing um so the only other bit of news i have is a video showcase for ultraman z was shared on twitter and the video shows off the design for the different modes of this new ultraman shows uh some of the fight scenes between it uh between the new ultraman and a kaiju that i couldn't tell which kaiju it was or if it's a new one and uh some of the actors and stuff and some you know and some of them in costume and doing their thing so um Dr. Z, I want to start yep. with you. Do you know uh, anything or are you a fan of Ultraman? I'm pretty unfamiliar with it. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ultraman's one of those ones that just hasn't really made it very big outside of Japan until mm -hmm. fairly recent. Okay. Uh, so I know for me and Michael, we're still kind of newly getting into Ultraman. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the image right now, and I feel like I have seen this before. Yeah, I just... I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have, mm -hmm. because it, cause it has been on American television before. I remember watching mm. Ultraman episodes on... Um, Oh shoot! What was it? Uh, Fox Kids or Fox? Mm -hmm. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, it was Fox <laughs> yeah. Kids, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. The dub version, of course. But uh, that, but that was some of the old. That was some of the newer uh, Ultra Ultraman episodes, if I'm not mistaken, Travis. That wasn't like from like 1966 with the original Ultraman, Return of Ultraman, and stuff. But like Travis said, we're still on our Ultra journey with all of these Mill Creek <laughs> releases that have been <clears throat> put out in the, in the last year, and so. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far, and I will okay. I will catch up on Ultra Ultra Z when it comes out, uh, and when we're allowed to. Yeah. See. So yeah. Yeah, I'll and check he, it out. Ultraman is uh, it's it, he's a hugely hugely iconic character in Japan. Um, I have said multiple times on this podcast because it, it is a thing that I, I am still blown away by, but Ultraman in Japan is more popular than Godzilla. And, and that's saying something because Godzilla is hugely popular in Japan. <laughs> But Ultraman actually is a little bit more popular because um, Ultraman is a lot like uh, Doctor Who for the UK. It's just mm. one of those shows that has been around forever and every generation has had you know their favorite version of it, their favorite episode, and has watched it from the time they were kids to now they have grandkids. And so uh, it's just one of those long-running series that um, people love. But it has a lot of uh, kaiju 
and it's uh, a lot of the kaiju designs are reminiscent of Godzilla and a lot of the Toho ones because it was mm -hmm. the same person who created Godzilla and a lot of those Toho monsters. Uh, yeah, but, was, oh. but Travis, um, but does Ultraman have his own hotel? That's that's that is the uh, he has a restaurant. He has a restaurant. Okay, right, fair <laughs> enough. But he does. There not is have an Ultraman hotel. restaurant where they actually have people dressed as the kaiju that come and come to your table uh, as you're there. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> that sounds spectacular. I saw somebody eating there, and Baltan, who is one of my favorite monsters from the uh, series came up to their table and I was like, yes, I want to go. Well, he, <laughs> well, Baltan just looks like a snooty waiter anyway. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ultraman is, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, for people outside of Japan, Ultraman mm -hmm. is still fairly new, um, but we're slowly kind of getting more and more releases in the States and outside of Japan. So people are becoming new Ultraman fans. And so we're looking forward. And this is the uh, one that we were just talking about. Ultraman Z is the newest iteration of that uh, Ultraman. It's a new season that is coming in June. And so, yeah. Um, so, uh, just, uh, one thing I wanted to point out too, um, it, this Ultraman has different modes, just like other versions of Ultraman has had. Um, one of the modes for listeners who are familiar with Red Man, which is kind of inspired by Ultraman, well, actually was inspired directly by Ultraman, um, but one of the modes of this Ultraman Z actually looks very reminiscent of that other tokusatsu uh, TV show, and I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, for listeners who care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's it for the news. Um, Michael, was there anything else in the uh, world of giant monsters that you wanted to touch on? Or did you want to touch on the article you sent me uh, briefly this morning? Um, I thought about it and I think we might save that for when we get to the episode talking about that movie. Gotcha. Because that's information that we can just kind of bring up when we're reviewing that movie. Gotcha. Um, but it's new information about the movie underwater uh, starring Kristen Stewart. Oh. Um, it was a uh, kind of new information that came out with, uh, since it's been released on digital, uh, mm -hmm. that there's a, a lot of special features. And so information cool. about it, um, cause that has a, has some monsters in it and yeah. they're, they're interesting monsters. <laughs> I hadn't seen it yet, but it's definitely on my list. I've heard though, I had any discussion with my students who had mixed feelings about it. So it's. I mean, it, it's definitely a horror movie that mm -hmm. fully embraces the tropes of a horror movie. So you can kind of, if you if eh, you can kind of say, well, it's played out because it's just doing the same thing that other mm -hmm. movies have done better. At the same time, it's the first time I've been to a horror movie in years that I was legitimately scared. Oh, interesting. And that that that's a I don't get scared. I mm -hmm. 
much like you, uh, Dr. Z, I was raised on some horror and scary stuff uh, as mm -hmm. a kid, stuff that I was way too young to see. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it, it didn't bother me then and it doesn't mm -hmm. bother me now. And so I don't get scared very easily. But this movie, the atmosphere was really well done and there was a lot of things that were really well done. So I, I okay. say it's worth watching, but I understand why it got mixed mm. reviews. Okay. Um, but yeah, we will be reviewing that at some point in the future. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, then that's it for the news. So we can get into the main topic for this week, the main movie review that we're doing this week. So at the end of each episode, we ask a trivia question that hints to the following episode. And okay. so last week, and we give a shout out to people who answer. Um, and last week we asked the question, what is the sec second highest grossing Japanese produced Godzilla film? And we have some answers uh, for this. We have this. a lot of answers. We have a lot of answers. And we'd like to give a shout out to everyone who answers, even if they get it wrong, even if they give us a funny answer, we still give them a shout out. Nice. So we're going to go through real quick just some of the answers. Um, we have Dean Prance, who answered Godzilla versus Hedora. Uh, not a bad guess. Uh, Raul Thakar, Thakur. I, I don't still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> it's the Kerr, yeah. The Kerr, okay. I, I I always see him on the on our Facebook group, but I never uh, I, I can never tell how to pronounce that. Um, he uh, answered Heisei Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla or Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla two. That's a decent answer. Yeah, that's a decent one. Ben Torres answered Godzilla versus Mothra, nineteen ninety two. He said, I can't remember if Shen did better, but I believe it uh, was the second highest grossing at its release. I'm um, talking about Godzilla versus Mothra. Uh, Joseph Asi Cruz uh, said King Kong versus Godzilla, 1962, which I think if you adjust for inflation actually is the correct answer because... Um, King Kong versus Godzilla has been re-released multiple times over the years. Right. And so I think adjusting for inflation and adding all of that together. The the problem with this question I didn't realize when I asked it was finding the uh the the box office numbers for some of these older films is really, really difficult. <laughs> Very. Um Dylan Nolan answered Godzilla versus Mothra. Uh, it said it was second in the box office in Japan. Jurassic Park was first that year. Appropriately so. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and then the next few answers we got are all from Twitter. Uh, Nathan Marchan from the uh, Monster Island Film Vault podcast, who is a friend of this uh, and previous guest, uh, said Godzilla 3D Beyond Thunder of Mothwalker. <laughs> We can always leave it up to Nathan to give us a funny answer. <laughs> we love you, Nathan. Maybe not so much Jimmy, but we love you, Nathan. Yeah, Jimmy is Jimmy. Uh, Michael has a running feud with the uh, producer of that uh, podcast. Oh, dear. Jimmy, Jimmy from NASA. 
<laughs> um, and Atomic Monster Casey on Twitter said Godzilla versus Mothra. Corey on Twitter said either it's Godzilla versus Mothra or King Kong versus Godzilla. Giant Monster BS on Twitter <laughs> said Godzilla versus Destroya, Desatoya. <laughs> Um, which would make sense too because i mean it did super well at the box office yeah and being the last film in the heisei you know period and before they were taking a hiatus uh from godzilla films you'd think that it would it would be the highest one or one of the highest ones uh john turley said king kong versus godzilla uh professor kaiju 101 said Godzilla versus Mothra Battle for Earth Part 2 Electric Boogaloo The Rise of the Mothening What? You, you, so we have a doctor and a professor on this episode this week? Yeah, we're, we are moving up in the podcast ranks, aren't we? Uh, that was a terrible joke I'm sorry <laughs> And then Piz Peas uh, on Twitter uh, said Godzilla versus Mothra. So uh, congratulations to all of you guys who got it right. And thank you for everyone who sent in an answer, especially the funny ones, because we love reading the funny episodes. So, so for, yes. So for this okay. week's episode, we're going to be doing Godzilla's Revenge from 1968. Or not, not Son of Godzilla. Son of Godzilla. <laughs> and Dr. Z's like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> That's yeah, not the one I prepared no. for. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we wanted to cover this movie, uh, in particular because this episode is coming out on Earth Day. And so we figured what better way to celebrate Earth Day for us as a giant monster podcast than to talk about Godzilla, Mothra, Battle for Earth. And really just to talk about Mothra in general as the savior and protector of Earth. Yes, queen. <laughs> so I'm going to run through just the, the cast and crew list. I like to give credit to the people who worked so hard to make this movie uh, and do a quick plot breakdown, and then we'll get into the actual review. So um, we have this was directed by Takeo Akawara, written by Kazuki Amori, uh, music, of course, by Akira if uh, Ifukube. The greatest. Who, the greatest. Uh, we have uh, Tetsuya Besho. Uh, Satomi Kobayashi uh, and I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing any of these Japanese names I'm trying my best <laughs> um, it's, okay. it's okay Takahiro Murata Megumi Odaka who is uh, who plays Miki so she's making a return in this movie because mm -hmm. Miki has been in uh, all of the Heisei movies um, and uh, we have uh, Kimpachiro Satsuma as Godzilla, playing in the Godzilla suit. And we actually have Hurricane Ryu Hurrican as Batra, the Batra larva. And uh, the plot breakdown is simple. It's the Earth is headed for a disaster. And when an archaeological research team visits Infant Island to find out why, they discover two tiny women who reveal that the Earth is fighting back for all the harm humans have done here and sends out the evil batra to destroy us the cosmos as the girls are called offer their help by calling mothra to battle the creature unfortunately godzilla also appears and a three-way battle begins that threatens to destroy japan so going into our initial thoughts on this movie mm -hmm. dr z 
what are your mm-hmm. initial thoughts on Godzilla, Mothra, Battle for Earth? I mean, anything with Mothra, I'm automatically going to like more than any other kaiju movie. So I'm definitely biased. Um, but I, one of my first takeaways, this is kind of terrible. I liked how fluffy Mothra was in this one. <laughs> she is Her, very fluffy. She's so fuzzy. And I just find that so I think fuzzy. that's adorable and also amazing. Um, but one of my biggest likes about this movie is I love that Mothra is still like able and willing to fight Godzilla, even in her larva form, which mm. is amazing. It does get a little help um, in the end, but I think it's so that basically her baby stage, she's still a formidable uh, foe for Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's so funny because that's you mentioned how fluffy Mothra is. That's one of the things I mentioned to Michael when I messaged yeah. him when I first started watching this movie. I was like, I love how fluffy Mothra is. I love it. <laughs> Dude, I can confirm. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Okay, so um, it took me a few watches for, honestly, this film to grow on me over the years. Uh, my favorite Heisei film to date is still Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 from 93. It's the film that comes directly after this okay. one. Um, but I do love this film for two reasons. It's campiness, mm-hmm. uh, especially during the first, uh, like I'd say, first 40 minutes or so. It's super, they lean really heavy into that Indiana Jones. Uh, ripoff style, uh, which is super fun. I, I just wish that uh, they had carried that throughout the entire movie. That's that was my main regret from that. And I just like the monster designs for this film. Uh, even Fluffy like, Mothra. Even Fluffy Mothra. Yeah, even <laughs> Fluffy Mothra. I feel like she, uh, her design, her she she just longs to be petted because she's just so fluffy. Oh, definitely. Oh, it's it, she is so snuggly in this movie more than any other. <laughs> but I think that speaks to some weird desire I have of like I want sometimes like monsters to be pets almost, right? Like the idea that mm-hmm. you could have such a powerful, beautiful creature is like your friend. So maybe that's what mm-hmm. it's appealing to me about Fluffy Mothra. I feel like, yeah, like I would pet her. Like we could fly around. It'd be awesome. Oh, I get it, because I am the same way with um with uh, Baragon. I'm like, he just yeah. looks like a big puppy dog. I want <laughs> to own a, ba- I want to have a puppy Baragon. <laughs> so I totally get that. Um, my initial thoughts on this movie are that I understand uh, just from seeing it on Twitter and seeing people's reactions whenever I shared that this was a movie we we're going to review that this is not a lot of people's favorite. Uh, Heisei movie or Godzilla movie in general, and uh, no, I said Heisei, not Hey Siri. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I am like you, Dr. Z. I am such a huge fan of Mothra that just having Mothra in this movie means it, it gets bumped up a few points because mm-hmm. I just love Mothra so much, and so I definitely think that some of the imagery in this um Mm -hmm. some of the visuals is is some of the best of the entire heisei uh series because Mm -hmm. there are moments like when mothra is uh cocooning herself in the capitol building that that is just a gorgeous gorgeous scene and the way it is shot is so beautiful so Mm -hmm. i think that uh people who may not enjoy this movie as a whole 
should t really take a look at the visuals in it and at least appreciate the visual storytelling that's going on, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated sort of how they really amped up even the even the Mothra larva and how how actually yeah. strong they made it. Like if you mm -hmm. notice in her water battle with with Godzilla, uh, when she goes to uh, spit out her uh, webbing, I guess uh, mm -hmm. webbing webbing is probably not the appropriate word, but like her, uh, her silk maybe because isn't that what she uses silk, to yeah. make her cocoon? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. um it's it seems to be corrosive, which actually makes a lot of sense and is a really nice touch to to at least give her another weapon especially in that larval phase mm -hmm. other than well i'm just going to shoot you with this silk and hope that you get tied up it's uh <laughs> uh i just really like that touch about it i really did yeah yeah uh and i think uh, since you brought up the water battle i, I want to talk about the mm -hmm. the monster fights in this movie in yeah. general because to me, that that water fight between Godzilla and the Mothra larva and the Batra larva uh, is probably the best fight in the whole thing because you really get this like hand to hand combat between them, uh, quote unquote, hand to hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, because later on, it does kind of turn into just beams firing back and back and forth. Yeah. But that show. water it's fight. Yeah. But that water fight, yeah, especially so when they go underwater, and I mean, you know, they crack yeah. open the earth. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, awesome. definitely. Um, so, uh, what? Uh, starting with Doctor Z, what are your yeah. thoughts on just the monster fights in this uh, movie? I also agree. I think a water battle scene is probably one of the best. Although I do love the Ferris wheel coming down um, later oh, yeah. on in the fight scene. I think for me, it's one of the few times I feel like they've intentionally sort of used like something like that. Uh, so I appreciated mm -hmm. that, but I honestly loved the sort of final battle scene because I love the Mothra Batra team. Um, I think that just demonstrates for me, one of Mothra's sort of most important powers. I mean, her ability to convince bad guys to be good, um, at least for a little while. And I think that having her team up with like the other winged, you know, sort of the yin to her yang was just a really cool moment for me as a fan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michael, what are your thoughts, too? Well, Travis, you know that people listen to us to hear about the human characters, not the monster fights, right? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get to the human characters. We will get to the human characters. <laughs> I come, they, we came for the human characters. Anyway, uh, I, I, I liked the monster fights, to be honest with you. Uh, the final battle is... It was well done. Uh, I agree with Dr. Z that that Ferris wheel just sort of longs to be destroyed. As soon as I saw it, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, yep, that's the first thing to go is that, is that stupid Ferris wheel. Yeah. Um, but no, I really liked Batra's design. I liked the, like what Dr. Z said, the yet the Mothra's uh, yang to her yin in Batra or the other way around, however that works out. Um, I, I just really enjoyed it. And it's, and like you said, Travis, a huge a light show as we as what we see throughout the rest of the Heisei era with Mechagodzilla, Space Godzilla, and even Destroya. Yeah. Yeah, this one uh I, I really think that the battles here, even even Destroya, the Destroya battle kind of becomes um anticlimactic at the end. It just kind of ends. Whereas this one felt earned. Um, the victory you know, that Mothra and Batra had was kind of earned. Um, 
So you joked about the about the human characters. So let's talk about the <laughs> the human characters in this in this movie. Um, I so, will say, I will say that that the trope of the the ex husband and the ex wife uh, coming together for a common purpose. It's been done before, but at least it was entertaining in this film. I will say that. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Doctor Z. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? I like that they didn't linger too much on like the love story, and that they don't really like get back together or anything. Right, you know, I think right. I like that they don't go that traditional route. Um, but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, I found the daughter super annoying, and I'm oh, not a hundred percent sure why. But it's like her holy oh, tell Mothra to stop because my dad thief anymore. Just feels like mm-hmm. some very heavy handed sort of like cultural values being pushed in there that i was yeah. like no one wants their yeah. parent to be a thief like it's fine like let's move on i could have done without her um as a character like what five yeah. year old, what five-year-old talks like that yeah <laughs> right yeah it uh i mean it's a running thing in giant monster movies that the kids just really aren't great yeah. and i so i think this is another example of just the kids just aren't really done very well mm-hmm. um but uh as far as um what's his name uh takuya mm-hmm. i really liked his character <laughs> he was yeah. fun he was campy and he felt like he he almost felt like he belonged more in a showa era godzilla film mm-hmm. more than a heisei because he just had that campiness that yeah. comes from like the 60s and 70s era well this yeah. whole film felt like it belonged sort of in the in in the showa era anyway um, mm-hmm. It was trying to. I felt like it was trying to be Mothra versus Godzilla from '64, but not as good. Mm. Yeah, uh, I I can see that because to me it 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 doesn't quite reach the level that uh, Mothra versus Godzilla reached. But I still really enjoy this film. I still really really enjoy it. And a big part of it, talking about human characters, might just be mm-hmm. my love of Akira Takarada. Because I freaking love that guy. <laughs> and so it's like Mothra. If he's in the movie, yeah. I'm going to automatically bump it up a few points. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Akira Takarada, even though they played a small part, Akira Takarada, uh, Akiji Kobayashi, for, um, who is a uh, an actor who is most well known from Ultraman. And so mm. us watching the Ultraman uh, series okay. kind of uh, for this podcast yeah i've become a fan of his too and so right uh, they the two of them together i just really love um i love them so much <laughs> um so uh, now we've talked a lot about our positives for this movie and, yeah. and we've got more positives but let's mm-hmm. let's let's um let's talk about some negatives that we might have for this movie um so, Dr. Z, was there anything yeah. in this movie besides the little girl? <laughs> yeah. Um, was there uh, anything else? Other little girls, if we want to call them that. Um, I have uh, I have so many conflicting feelings about the priestesses um, mm. in general. Just I think that they're in some ways so, so problematic um, as a trope. But j- despite that, they changed the name to the Cosmos. Yeah, which I didn't understand that, and I felt like it was trying to maybe westernize it so it makes more sense, or you know, not like the whole small beauties, but cosmos yeah. of all the things you could pick. I just that didn't do it for me. I guess, but I love the Masura song, so anytime that gets busted out, I'll sing along with it. Oh yeah, and and what's interesting is that um, that song 
in this movie they actually add an extra lyric mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to it that wasn't in the original mm -hmm. version and uh that lyric is in japanese whereas the uh rest of the song is actually in um indonesian i think or some some kind of uh, other language i, I forget yeah. appropriating <laughs> something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was just an interesting uh mm -hmm. little factoid there i'd throw in um michael cool. uh what was uh what are your thoughts on the fairies or the me, cosmos oh, oh i'm sorry the cosmos uh well for <laughs> i don't like the name the cosmos um see not the only one good I, i'm yeah. not yeah you're not the only one i i think that even if they just called them the twins that would be better than yeah. uh, then that yeah. would be better than the cosmos but i see why they did it because they have to give they have to give it some uh mythical they had to give them some mythical mm -hmm. name other than the twins uh they because they drove home that mythical uh i'm trying to find the right word but they they really yeah. drove that point home uh through this movie now there's a lot of there's a lot of messages that are that are being put out during this mm -hmm. film and that's fine but they really drove that home with the with the cosmos uh and i just did i didn't enjoy them as much as uh, some of the other uh, Shobijin from some of the other Mothra films. Uh, I I just feel like they got in the way, to be honest with you. I know that's probably yeah. gonna, not going to be a popular opinion, but I just feel like they got in the way in this one. Yeah. Uh, and, and Dr. Z, uh, in mm -hmm. a video I, that you did on your, um, on Monstrum, mm -hmm. I remember you talked about that there is, there is kind of this underlying message with the Shobijin, especially yeah. that there's this commercialization mm -hmm. of, of women, of, of the, of females. And yeah. I, I thought that was really... why I have a problem with them, because I think that anytime you, even the first Mothra movie, right? They're talking mm -hmm. about their beauty and they're so diminutive. And it seems like in some ways to me, this probably be an unpopular opinion, like mm -hmm. a fetishization of Japanese or Asian women that especially mm -hmm. in the first Mothra are being taken by these like Western men and they're consistently being stolen and sold or displayed and there's just something about that that i guess as a feminist like rubs me the wrong way um but in some ways it's not i guess surprising um that is i'm sure we'll get to the maybe modern mothra but one of the things i think mm -hmm. that uh godzilla king of monsters did well is having the twins come in in a way that felt like they actually more than just being like her I don't not like toys I don't know I just don't like yeah putting women in bot really in boxes like in this one yeah. yeah and and I definitely see that and can understand that because later on at the end of this movie one thing that stuck out to me mm -hmm. was you see the cosmos fly off and kind of become energy and join with yeah. Mothra and, and kind of, and it's like, you guys could do that this whole time. Then why were you trapped in a box? Exactly. <laughs> like you to guys me, could do this just, this whole time. <laughs> which to me says that they only serve the purpose of like being, you know, traded by these men. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that, and I, again, Within the kaiju community, I know they get mm -hmm. a lot of flack, um, the Mothra, the rebirth of Mothra movies, but one thing mm -hmm. that they do well is that they do give some agency and some purpose mm -hmm. to the, the twin fairies. Um, so I do have yeah. to uh, praise those movies for, if nothing else, at least doing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, but uh, but other than, than that, I, I, I think 
for me, there was a, a few little negative things. Um, Michael mentioned the tone of the movie. The tone at the beginning mm -hmm. of the movie is so fun and campy and just kind of that has that pulp uh, feel to it. But they kind of abandoned that tone halfway through it. And I kind of wish they would have kept that through the whole movie. Right. I think that's why I didn't like it. Old I, know, I know which was Michael, you tried that you liked this, you know, faux Indiana Jones scene. And at first mm -hmm. I was like, okay, campy, like funny, but then it's completely abandoned. And I was like, just don't put it in then. Yeah, right. exactly. It yeah. It's, it, decide on a tone and stick to it. I, either either yeah. one would have been fine, but it's the mixture of them and not sticking mm -hmm. to either one. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a known thing that Miki, it, early on, she really doesn't get a lot of play in these movies um mm -hmm. she definitely gets more play when you get into mechagodzilla 2 and space godzilla and destroya but she really just kind of is shoved off to the side and not really given a lot of attention which yeah. is so sad because i do really like that character mm -hmm. um and uh for me the selfish businessman uh in this <laughs> one was i mean there was a selfish businessman in the original Mothra yeah. versus Godzilla. So I understand why he's there, but it just wasn't as interesting to me as it was in the original, you know, 60s uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Uh, but that being said, I, his his sidekick, um, his subordinate, Ando, I really liked. I liked that yeah. actor. I liked that character. Uh, mm -hmm. but, the, but the businessman, I just didn't like. Um, any other negatives that you guys have? Uh, we'll start with Dr. Z. Um, for me, it was really just the changing of the fairies to the cosmos really irritated me. That mm. was probably honestly my biggest one. And the Indiana Jones scene. I was like, eh. Yeah. Those are my yeah. two big dislikes. Yeah. Um, the, Michael? The oh, meteor served. Um, other than just the yeah. first, other than just to piss off Godzilla and wake up Batra, it, it really did not serve any purpose. They could have found a different way. Uh they yeah. they could have they could have found a different way I feel like because um, when I first watched this movie forgive me fan base but I honestly when I first watched it again after a long time watching it did I and I because I even said this to Travis I said did Batra come from the meteor and that's where he came from uh, mm. but they don't make it they they make it clear later on but that's sort of the that's sort of implied in the opening sequence in the opening few minutes that. This meteor is coming to Earth, and it contains a giant monster. Boom! Giant monster wakes up. Uh, I just didn't like the media. I just it's it's sort of a nitpicky thing. I just don't think it belonged. I don't think it was necessary, and they could have just done without it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what they were trying to go for because I think that and one of the positives for me about this film is though I do think the meaning behind the atomic and like science themed films are really important and historical. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of the idea of sort of like mother earth is producing these you know mythical protectors so i think the asteroid was just trying to be like here's a visual like maybe of you know how the earth is being destroyed because they I wrote down so many quotes of like man are destroying the very earth they live on we can't go on like this for long so i think they could have i agree had that same message with maybe i don't know some kind of you know mining accident or even mm -hmm. like an oil cell or something that fit maybe more with the message because, I mean, right. what's Earth going to do against an asteroid? I mean, right. it's gonna, it happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think the environmental message, if you're looking for mm-hmm. an environmental message in a Godzilla film, yeah. um, Hedora is definitely a better mm-hmm. I think they do a much better job there because like mm-hmm. you said, I think that in here it was more of a tell don't show, um, yeah. which of course is not what we want. We want to see. Uh, so yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, going back to the positives though, something that uh, both of you guys have kind of touched on, but taking this movie in the context of where it is in the series of Godzilla films mm-hmm. and realizing that we had uh Godzilla Returns, um, we had Godzilla versus Biollante. <laughs> so we had these more science-based Godzilla mm-hmm. films. You know, they really talk about the science of Godzilla, the biology, um, all of those things. And then to have this film be the next one in the series, and they bring it back from the science side of things and go more mm-hmm. mythic with it. <clears throat> and I like that. I like the I like when Godzilla is made more mythical yeah. than sciency. Uh and so the fact that they shifted that um in this in this film. Uh is, I think they it, shifted it because of Mothra. I mean she's like so perfect for right. that kind of message. Yeah. So if you're gonna focus on Mothra, you need to have her mysticism. And to me, I mean she's the protector of Earth. So I right. think that, you know, having her sort of this early uh environmental message I think is important. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple of fun facts I want to bring up. Yeah. Um, there, uh, the there's two different Godzilla suits in this uh, movie. Um, they had started filming with the Biollante suit, and then it was stolen partway into oh. filming, and so they had to recreate a new suit because it was stolen and it had disappeared for a lot of weeks. And when it when they found it, it was completely destroyed. It was just there was no way they could use it um, for filming anymore. So they had to create the next suit from the Heisei, which was the what's referred to as the Bato Goji suit. Um, there's a there's also I'm trying to think. Um, Oh, the, the original idea behind Batra, I thought this was very interesting, partly because I'm weird. Um, the original <laughs> uh, idea behind Batra was that he was going to be uh, from a film called Godzilla vs. Gigamoth. Oh. And it was actually supposed to be a Mothra larva that was mutated by Ooh. radiation leaking from Mechanicong, huh. the mechanized Kong, King Kong. Huh. And I'm weird, so I love Mechanicong. <laughs> I don't like regular King Kong, but I love Mechanicong. <laughs> and the idea that they were bring, going to bring back Mechanicong and have it directly create this uh, evil Mothra from mm-hmm. radiation leakage, I think would have been more interesting tying it to that whole environmental message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely would have been more and connecting it even back, sort of merging the environment and science uh, as they've been so many of the other movies. I, I could see that. It could work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I still... The idea behind this, like, yin and yang kind of mythic uh, thing, uh, again, I do like that they brought in that more mythic side. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing uh, that I have listed is that um, the Batra larva 
actually was the inspiration for a Pokemon, mm -hmm. uh, the Giratina. And if you ever see the Giratina when he's he that Pokemon is uh, has legs oh when it's in its legs form. That's it looks just like the it back does. I just looked it up. It totally does. Yeah, it is. It is totally. I was like, when somebody that. pointed that out on Twitter, I was like, huh, I I did not realize that. <laughs> um, so uh, we can go ahead and move into um, our Godzuki scores. Now, uh, for anyone who has not listened to the podcast before is might maybe new. Uh, we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis, uh, who is the bumbling uh, kind of dim-witted nephew of Godzilla from the 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoon because we like to embrace the silly and kind of weird and goofy side to kaiju films. And so we use Godzuki. We pay homage to the great Godzuki by using him as our yardstick for measuring <laughs> these movies. <laughs> um, so I want to start with Dr. Z since you're our All guest. Right. What Out of five Godzukis... How many Godzukis would you give Godzilla Mothra Battle for Earth? I'm going to give it a four. Oh, wow. I know. But the Mothra <laughs> Battle team up and Mothra Battle plus Fluffy Mothra made it. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. I can definitely understand where you, uh, why you went with that. Um, Michael, uh, out of five Godzukis, what would you rate this movie? I'm going to give it three out of five Godzukis because although this is, although this film is good, it doesn't rank super high on my list of uh, Godzilla films, especially in the Heisei era uh, mm. for what it was, for what it set out to accomplish. I feel like it did accomplish all of those um, mythical elements that they always try to bring it. That is that, uh, that makes a Mothra movie. Um, mm. Mothra is fluffy. She's beautiful as always. <laughs> um, and, but you know, the mix it, the mixing in tone, some of the little, some of the, the messaging where it's just like beating you over the head constantly, that kind of gets on your nerves after a while. Uh, and then of course the cosmos, I mean, it knocks it down mm. two points for me. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just give it a solid three out of five. Valid, valid. Yeah. He, he's just a Mothra hater. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um i'm going to kind of be in between you guys because i'm going to give it a 3.75 um i i debated on whether i wanted to give it a four there were there were a few things that just i couldn't i couldn't reconcile giving it a four even mm. though our rating system's kind of just silly anyway what it's not <laughs> not meant to we're rating out of five godzukis it's not meant to be taken seriously um but Speak yeah for yourself travis <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get so much hate mail like i take it seriously how dare you say that how dare you give this movie this score instead of giving it this score when you gave this other movie the other score and so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah i give it a 3.75 because i it it went from being one of the godzilla movies i had seen the least to now probably the most watched movie at least from the heisei series it is one of the most watched ones for me i can put this on and i can go and do things around the house and just mm -hmm. you know come in and watch you know the mothra battle and the, and the batra battles 
I just I love the visuals so much in this movie. So and, and like I said, the the visuals of Mothra cocooning at the Capitol building and then hatching from that and the beautiful just imagery of that. It's it. I have to give it a good score, but there were some faults I just I had with it. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's it for our discussion uh, with Mothra, uh, Godzilla, Mothra, Battle for Earth, um, as a celebration for Earth Day. But that mm-hmm. is not the end of our episode because <laughs> since we have Doctor Z on here and she is such a Mothra fan, as oh. listeners can tell, <laughs> we want to talk to you about Mothra in general. Because, like yes. we said, to celebrate Earth Day. What better way to do mm-hmm. that for a giant monster podcast than <laughs> to talk about Earth's greatest protector, Mothra? Um, yeah. So, what is it about Mothra that just makes you such a fan? Honestly, I really just love what she stands for. Um, she's a strong, independent lady. Uh, she's benevolent, <laughs> a powerful goddess who's just dedicated to protecting people and not just, you know, one specific set of people, although she does favor her islanders, but just all of mankind and the earth in general. I just think, I mean, she's loyal. She's beautiful. She uses what's basically glitter as a weapon. I mean, what's (laughs) like the love? Yeah. I also think it's important that to me, she's so fabulous. To me, she seems like one of the only kaiju who's capable of like winning others over to her side. She's kind of like the uniter kaiju in my mind. Um, So Mm -hmm. she's literally just a queen. She does whatever she needs to protect all of her subjects which is everyone on earth so if that you know means teaming up with godzilla or batra she'll do what she needs to and she's apparently persuasive enough that she gets all the other kaiju on her side i love it yeah one thing go ahead michael uh, the one thing i was gonna say travis was one thing uh that dr z just mentioned about her basically using glitter as a weapon one thing i found interesting about the (laughs) film that we just talked about Mm -hmm. uh Typically, you know, with the Mothra mythos, that is her last resort, and it wasn't for this film. Mm, yeah. So I, I just wanted to kind of point that out that it was interesting mm. that they shifted from that because in other movies, it's just like, oh, she's, you know, she's admitting, she's emitting this pollen. It is her mm-hmm. last stitch effort to win the battle. And then, abor- and of course, she flies away and dies. But this time around, she does not. So it was just a really, uh, they found a good way to keep her around. And I yeah. was happy about it. So yeah. much glitter. I mean, I know that so it's like her reflective sc- scales or whatever, but it looks like glitter to mm-hmm. me. I mean, I think when she's hatching from the cocoon, it's there. When she's, you know, communicating with Batra, it's there. And then, yeah, she finally does use it to like bounce back all those beams um, with Godzilla. But I just think it's, it seems just so like classical Mothra, the way that I imagine Mothra. It's like this pretty thing that's also powerful, which is like mm-hmm. her in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a perfect uh, explanation of Mothra because when you look at Godzilla, you know, of course, the original idea behind Godzilla's skin was to kind of look like the radiation scarring and stuff. So there is this—he looks very fearsome and very scary, and I mean, especially in no more so than in Shin Godzilla, where he's just absolutely mm. terrifying. <laughs> um, but Mothra is not. Mothra is this beautiful. Uh, creature that is just colorful and bright and everything so i i definitely uh can appreciate that so what version of mothra is your favorite <laughs> i'm gonna get so much flack for this one? honestly <laughs> it is the fluffy one so oh, it's a tie for me it's a tie between battle of earth uh 
fluffy mothra and honestly i really loved what godzilla king of the monsters did um for mothra i think battle for earth i like that she's kind of puppet like i love her i think her wing movements um are actually better than some of the previous ones they seem more Mm -hmm. organic and less stiff which i appreciated um, but I think the newest Mothra is gorgeous. Um, embarrassingly, I literally died every single time she was on screen um, in <laughs> King of the Monsters. But I think the designers made a smart move with her there by making her still beautiful, still an homage to the original Mothra. But the use of backlighting in that movie to make her look divine and like angelic mm. is so smart. Um, and mm. she also a little more fierce, uh, which is fitting for me, warrior queen. I envision her uh, to be, but do not even get started about her death in that movie. I could do a whole episode <laughs> about treated Mothra, uh, but her character design is one of my, my favorites. Sally. Her bio, yeah. her bioluminescence in King yes. of Monsters was so oh. so gorgeous, and I and I'm and I am not afraid to admit that there were times in that film I teared up. I got a little misty. Yeah. I do. Um, when you hear um, oh. when you hear Afukabe's music play for the oh very first time on the big screen, I mean it's it's it gives you all the feels. It really, honestly, does. Her uh, theme when her wings open with that bioluminescence, I'm gonna like get emotional thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I just love Mothra. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. I love I loved being in the theater and seeing that. Um, for me, it was like the fir- it was the first time seeing Mothra in the movie theater because yeah, most of these same. movies you know came yeah we most of them here in the states they came over on vhs and so we didn't really see them in the theaters so getting to see mm-hmm. mothra on the big screen was just gorgeous um we kind of touched on it but uh maybe you know add a little bit more detail to it but uh what mm-hmm. do you think makes mothra so unique from other kaiju well, I know there are other female kaiju, um, but she's like the original. I think also that what makes her so different from any kaiju, female, male, whatever, um, mm-hmm. is her capacity for rebirth. I think it's such a beautiful character arc. It's like, even though she knows she can be reborn or, you know, give life to offspring, I feel like mm-hmm. she still does her best. Like, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy, but I feel like that her mythos and her character arc still feels She's trying to give her best every single time. Like, and it that comes from sort of like mortal wisdom. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons she is able to communicate so well with one of the other kaiju is because she essentially just keeps being reborn over and over again. So she's kind of like, I've seen all of it. Let's, you know, make mm-hmm. a deal and get going. But I just I think she's so neat because she is, in my opinion, the most beautiful kaiju, but one of the most powerful. And I think that's just like a strong statement to be making for any monster. Yeah, I like I like how you uh, referred to her as the great uniter of, yeah. of kaiju. How she uh, because that's one of you know the best scenes probably in uh, uh, Ghidorah the three headed monster is mm-hmm. when she's yeah. kind of mediating between Rodan and and Godzilla. <laughs> oh, Godzilla, such language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is true. You don't see that with any other monster. Uh, where she's trying to kind of bring peace between the two monsters instead of, you know, just joining in the battle and just fighting it, fighting yeah. it out. This, I mean, I'm probably going to get black for this too, but I think that she's the most... And part is because, you know, in some she communicate or whatever, but I think that she seems the most wise and the most with it. Of course she's going to be the cater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So uh, the next question is, uh, was one that Michael had. Do you want to uh, ask the next next question? Yeah, sure. I'll go for it. Um, so since you know Godzilla and kaiju in general are primarily part of the Eastern culture, mm -hmm. uh, what takeaways can people in the West get from watching some of these films? That's a really great question. Um, and I think it comes back to sort of when I was saying my first exposure to Godzilla um, and the atomic bomb. I think that one of the most important things a Western audience can take away is the origin story of just kaiju. That they're a direct response to atomic weapons and the use of them on Japan and other parts of Asia in World War II. Right. And I think it's important for audience is to know that for some of those viewers, Asian viewers, especially the earlier movies, which were so close to when those events happened, the depictions of destruction, death, like sadness and mourning in the movies are symbolic of the losses that were felt in real life. Right. So for me, as much as these movies are entertaining, um, for some people, I think we need to recognize that they are cathartic and there is more of a historical and social and even religious aspect to them that I think a Western uh, audience might recognize. I think that they became a way to reflect anxieties about technology, you know, environmental destruction and modern warfare in so many ways. But I think it's key for a non-Eastern culture to understand their origin how it was such an intimate and visceral response to like real tragedy yeah yeah one of the things that you know in the west in the west specifically because it, it's been compared to other stuff to other uh areas of religion in the east but in the west mm -hmm. yeah. um mothra is sort of compared to the death burial and resurrection of christ yeah she's a christ of, figure yeah Right, she mm -hmm. is. She is indeed. I, mm -hmm. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, yeah, and, and it's, okay. go ahead. I think oh, it's uh, important, uh, like you were saying about yeah. Eastern religion too, right? I mean, I think one of the things that I mean with Yai and just there's a different conception about how life and like the possibilities for life in different religions in these. I think that makes um, kaiju a little more approachable, or not necessarily list, but have more a cultural root um in those communities yeah and uh a previous guest on this podcast nathan mm -hmm. uh, from monster island film vault he brought up a really good point that i will quote forever because it was <laughs> a great point that he made that these films especially like you said those early kaiju films uh were not made for us here yeah. in the west they were made with the thought of these japanese people in 1954 mm -hmm. they were made with japanese people in 1962 they were made with them in mind not us and so mm -hmm. for us to fully appreciate it we kind of have to remember that the that there was context to these mm -hmm. films that we aren't getting and we have to try a little extra harder to get yeah, there was one discussion. I think uh, Nathan. Well, yeah, it was Nathan. It was it was mm -hmm. us when we were doing kai, or kaiju quarantine. Was when he brought up the point about Intera Mechagod. That film was not made for even the general island of Japan. That made that film was mm -hmm. made specifically for the city uh, or township of Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla because the uh, Okinawa not Terra, had. Not, yeah, not Terra. Uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Yeah, because Okinawa had just fairly recently been taken, uh, given back to Japan 
from um, the United States, and then Okinawa originally was not part of Japan, and Japan annexed them um, even before that. So there is kind of this tension between uh, mainland Japan and Okinawa, the Okinawans, and so doing a, a Godzilla movie that was set in Okinawa and then having the Shiza uh, King Caesar monster that is an Okinawan monster was kind of a way of saying, look, here's the Okinawans and the Japanese, the mainland Japanese monster coming together and defeating invaders. So it was kind of this really, there's this subtext there that us as a Western audience, I definitely didn't get when I, I watched it. I <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, that's fascinating. And that's one of the yeah. things that I love so much about monsters, about horror, like the horror across film, video games, literature, what have you. And that's what my research does. I think that there's so much to be said with them. And sometimes that is so a particular audience. And that I think that what you just said, I mean, that enhances that movie for me. So the more mm -hmm. we understand these like, histories, I think that we can only appreciate monsters and arguably other cultures more. Yeah, and it's not to say that you can't enjoy them not knowing that. Yeah, but like you said, it enhances it knowing it this kind of um, yeah. the, the context. Um, so, wanted to uh, get your opinion on yeah. Mothra. Going back to Mothra, <laughs> because you you kind of mentioned it earlier. Mothra kind of is because she's the one of the first female monsters, and she's definitely the most popular female monster. So mm -hmm. she kind of has this. Uh, this feminine she becomes a feminine yeah. icon and almost like a feminist icon so yeah. coming from your perspective um what's your yeah. opinion on that can you give a little uh information on that i mean i would classify as a feminist icon uh to me a feminist icon is someone who's an empowering groundbreaker right that inspires particularly mm -hmm. women and girls while also supporting them and i mean that's Mothra. Like, not only was mm -hmm. she the first female kaiju, she's still one of the most powerful. She's a mother goddess who defends Earth and its people. And I, she's a queen. I mean, she's queen of the monsters for a reason. And I think what's amazing about Mothra is that she, like, she's no lesser than Godzilla. And like I said, I think she's more powerful because of her intelligence and her capacity for rebirth. So to have, you know, what at least in my definition is the strongest, like you said, statistically the most popular as a female kaiju, I just think is an incredible message. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, me and my previous uh, co-host, Stephen, mm -hmm. when we did a review of Gorgo, um, we talked a little bit about it, but I would really like to do some research on this, on what was going on in the world in 1961, 1962, mm -hmm. because right at that time you had two studios in two different parts of the world yeah. that both decided to do a female monster movie mm -hmm. where the female monster is not the antagonist who needs to be destroyed like mm -hmm. a Godzilla or, you know, any of the, or Rodan or any of those, mm -hmm. but is actually just trying to protect something that she wants to protect. So, you know, for Gorgo, mm -hmm. it was her offspring. For Mothra, it's the Shobajin. And that they survive through the movie, where yeah. at the time most monsters died at the end of those movies. So there was something going on in, in the world at that time, and I would really like to do some research on that. But do you have any insights on that, maybe? 
Um, just, I think in general, civil rights of all kinds were sort of becoming more important. If going back even would kind of make sense in terms of film, that during World War II in particular, that women across the, across the globe were, you know, put in situations, jobs that they couldn't before, simply because there was a need because men were fighting as soldiers. So I think mm. that once you have that freedom, and that intent to sort of, you know, take it away, I think was being as accepted, right? I think by the mid 20th mm -hmm. century, women still lacked so many rights. And I think that was becoming more of, you know, just a discussion that was being had across the globe. And I think because for me in particular, monsters reflect the cultural moment that's going on so personally. To me, it makes great sense that as these conversations about women's rights were being reinvigorated or started in places, that we would see more positive female stories. Because, I mean, historically, and this is, I've come across this in so many places in my research, but female monsters are usually beautiful and, like, mm -hmm. donic. And like you said, they're usually destroyed. That's mm. just sort of their character arc, you know, right? It's a seductress mm -hmm. or that's easily defeated or defeated by a man in capacity. And, you know, she always has some right. terrible motive. But I think what Mothra and some of the other female monsters that we see mid 20th century and even now, right, they actually can be positive, not just sort mm -hmm. of this negative, you know, fatale type uh, connection. Yeah, the, um, the, the one when you said that, the one that comes to mind first is Medusa. Yeah and uh, yeah and yeah. the sirens the sirens in mm -hmm. greek mythology too well and medusa became one of the icons of i think like the second wave feminist movement which did start in the late 60s so this sort of you know re uh, not reappropriating but restructuring of some of these you know classical myths like you said with medusa who becomes medusa as because she's a victim of rape but making that mm -hmm. a symbol of power rather than just a straight victim, I think, is mm. something that is begin to start at this time when we also see Mara. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it just made me think that um, I saw a digital comic not too long ago that was a um, kind of more modern telling of the Medusa mythos um, mm -hmm. that put her in a definitely a more sympathetic mm -hmm. and more um, tragic light. Mm -hmm instead of just being a monster who will just, you know, freeze and attack, uh, you know, whatever man yeah. comes into her domain. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that that continues even today, how they're restructuring these, mm -hmm. these kind of iconic female monsters to be more uh, interesting to, and reflecting uh, growing views of women in Which society. Which makes me so pissed about how they treated Mothra in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I, oh yeah. I think I won't rant about it too much. I think <laughs> that even especially given our conversation about her being this incredible feminist con and this such powerful symbol to mm -hmm. die to have the one female character who like you said was the first time many people especially many westerners had seen her on the big screen to have her die in a sacrifice that to me didn't really seem spoiler alert seem necessary. Right. Like Ooh, I think that they that whole arc was just so they can have Mothra Leo to have like male Mothra come up in the next movie. And if that happens, I'm going to be soaked. 
and I will come back on this podcast <laughs> and rant about it for as long as you'll have me. Well, you are. Oh, you yeah. are well, I will say that I don't know. But you are more than welcome to come back and rant as oh, much definitely. as you possibly want to. Uh, but I, you know, I get it. I get why they did it in the film. I really do because it was a callback to what would happen usually in the Heisei era, where yeah. uh, a kaiju would sacrifice themselves for the good of the of, of the outcome of the battle of itself. But uh, that doesn't even save Godzilla. The atomic radiation does in the end. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I think they did a good job of. Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree with you that the 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 death was kind of not. I, I think they could have handled it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a moment when Godzilla is uh, releasing all of his uh, his energy out and, mm-hmm. and killing Ghidorah. That you see the Mothra wings in the wave of radiation. Oh. I don't so I definitely notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and yeah. look. Go okay. back and look at that final scene, and then mm-hmm. and turn up this and put your earbuds in and. Turn yeah because you can hear it also okay yeah so i I think they they did intend for it to be mothra's sacrifice to kind of Mm -hmm. help godzilla out but i totally get it you know the the, she really didn't get yeah she didn't get a lot of play uh and and for for being so marketed so much in the marketing material she really didn't do a whole lot in that movie Mm -hmm. so i definitely see the disappointment there um one of the things I love most about Mothra is you, you see a lot of kaiju, their, sto- their backstories will change mm-hmm. significantly. They'll go from being uh, villains to being heroes, to, from being heroes to villains. They kind of go back and forth just depending on who's making the film and what story they want to tell. But Mothra's story never really changes mm-hmm. that much. She yeah. usually yeah. is always a good person and the mythos there of the priestesses these twins is always there in some way um i i just i really i really appreciate that um Mm -hmm. part of mothra that they 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 have stuck to keeping her being this protector of earth and she's never really changed from that yeah um we talked about but uh we can go ahead and um re uh repeat it but um what incarnation of of Mothra mm-hmm. do you think is your is the best representation of Mothra? Uh, we talked about your favorite, yeah. but maybe there's another one that's a better representation of the character, um, or it could be the same one. So, what's what do you yeah. think? I think the best representation would actually be just the first Mothra movie. I think she's just introduced so beautifully, and I to me, what's really powerful when I saw that movie is she's you know trying to get these priestesses to these people and protect them and she causes destruction sort of like by accident which is so mm-hmm. different than you know godzilla for sure and i think right just that first iteration of her is can't be in so many ways and funny in others but i think it's it like you said there's a reason why her mythos has stuck around and i think because it was done so well and such a good response i mean you can't it would hear too many people and i think She's to me. She's like the ethical kaiju. Um, she wants to protect rather than destroy, and I think that's a really positive message that isn't handled as well in some of you know the later uh, Godzilla movies. That I think she wants to protect rather than destroy, um, even though she does do that too. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's just an important message to have in these monster movies where there is so much destruction. She represents rebirth and the possibility for hope. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I want to just move into because we, we I don't want we can go on and on forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got two huge Mothra fans and someone who kind of likes Mothra, uh, Michael. <laughs> I'm going to tease him. I'm going to tease him forever. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I actually like Biollante more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, moving into final thoughts. So, yeah. what, um, what, Doctor Z, uh, Emily, what are your final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners about Mothra in general and and, and the movie that yeah. we reviewed? Um, I think for me, I really enjoyed. Again, Fluffy Mothra was amazing in this movie, <laughs> but I think that again, it just does a good job of showing. To me, what's really important about Mothra, she's positive, she's a goddess, she's a powerful queen, um, and to me, she's perfection. So why would you change that? There's What's not to love about Mothra, I guess, would be my final takeaway. Yeah, no better protector for Earth yeah. uh, could we ask for. Uh, Michael, <laughs> what are your final thoughts? Uh, do you want me to read what I actually have in my notes or actually tell you what I, what I, what I think? Cause it was going to be a really bad joke anyway. So I'm just not even going to say it. Uh, <laughs> you can, you can do whatever you want, Michael, <laughs> whatever you want. To do. Uh, no, um, I, like I said, I like this movie. It, it's middle of the road for me, honestly. It, it's, mm. it's, it's the monster fights are good. The human characters are meh. And um, just the overall package. I mean, it's solid. It really is solid. And even though there are some nitpicks and we went over those and we, I think we've, we've kind of hammered those home here in this discussion, but um, it's still a really enjoyable film. And I recommend it to anyone who just wants a good mm -hmm. science fiction mythology, myth, uh, fa sci-fi or sci-fantasy uh, film to watch. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I just really enjoyed it. Like I, like I said, I, it's grown on me over the years. Yeah. And my final thoughts on the movie and Mothra in general is hail to the queen. Yes. <laughs> Long may she reign. Long may she have her glitter reign. Yes, exactly. Are we talking um, about Queen Elizabeth or are we talking yeah. about Long, queen uh, hail to the queen of the monsters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that could still be Queen Elizabeth. Um, hail to the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, going to get his band in England, Travis. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I want to, uh, let's move into the mailbag segment. Now we have, uh, just a, a quick letter that we're going to read out. Um, cause we invite, um, all of our listeners to reach out to us. You can do that at, uh, Kaiju weekly at gmail.com or on Twitter. You can tweet us at Kaiju weekly to send us your thoughts, your comments, your questions, anything like that. And you, uh, and we will read it out and answer them on the podcast. So we have a letter from Nick Blackler who asked, what is your go-to Godzilla movie to show someone who has never seen one? Obviously this answer will depend on the person's taste in movies. So give me a couple suggestions to add to that question. Give me a go-to Godzilla flick to show a kid say around seven years old. So let's start with, we'll start with Michael this time. Um, what is your go-to Godzilla movie to show someone who's never seen one? Uh, well, Godzilla 2000 comes to mind first. Uh, I feel mm -hmm. like there's, depending on, again, depending on taste, depending on uh, 
what they like in general. I feel like that film has a good mix of science fiction, fantasy, and action. I think any seven-year-old especially is going to enjoy that film. Um, probably if I had to pick one from the other eras, Destroy All Monsters, because Destroy All Monsters is just fun. Um, and what do I else? What else did I write down here? Uh, uh, Godzilla versus uh, King Ghidorah from the Heisei era. That one's a lot of fun too, because it has it has some pseudoscience, it has time travel, it has aliens, and or not? No, it doesn't have aliens. I'm sorry. Um, it has everything that you would possibly want in a giant monster film. Yeah, it has a robot. <laughs> it has a robot, yes. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Dr. Z, so if you were to uh, introduce someone to Godzilla, what, what Godzilla movie would you pick? I actually also think God vs. Aura is a solid um, one that still has enough action. I think this is probably a negative Nancy view. I think that, especially with kids, maybe used to some of the modern um, digital effects. I think that God, the 2014 Godzilla might be a good one to just get them interested and then be like, look, True. this is where it comes from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense to, you know, some kids are very picky about old mm -hmm. special effects and yeah. stuff. Um, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah definitely was one of my favorites when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So I definitely can see that. Um, for me, Godzilla 2000 is my favorite Godzilla movie of all of them. And so I will forever um, <laughs> say that that is the one that I will use to introduce people to. Because it, to me, you don't really need to know anything going yeah. into it other than Godzilla is a giant monster. <laughs> and so it's a perfect introduction but as far as for kids um i think that any of the any of the later showa movies maybe like godzilla versus gigan um or godzilla versus megalon uh would be a lot of fun for kids um mm -hmm. if they are the kind that enjoy uh, that that can handle the old cheesy effects mm -hmm. um i also think that and, and I'm going to get speared by Eric yeah. from the Monsters vs. Men podcast for even suggesting this at all because they just put out their review of this movie at the time of recording. But Final Wars. <laughs> I introduced Final Wars. Uh, I, I showed Final Wars to my younger cousins. Now, they weren't seven. They were, I think they were 12 and 13 at the time. Hmm. And they loved it. And they had never oh. seen a Godzilla movie before, but they loved that movie. Yeah, and that, I think when we it did has that, that chaotic for, energy. Uh -huh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, when when we did that for Kaiju Quarantine, just the pure raw awesomeness of that movie, my body could not take it. I I literally passed out from all the awesomeness in yeah. that movie. Yeah, we did a live stream uh, for kaiju fans to watch along uh, movies, uh, kaiju movies with us. Oh, uh, we did it. We did it for an entire weekend. Uh, wow. So we had multiple movies. We had multiple podcasters on to do commentary, and the big finale was Final Wars. And uh, Michael passed out. <laughs> it was either that Stop. or the fact that I didn't pace myself during Rigo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were you were drinking heavily for that one. <laughs> I this is insane. Almost like all the aliens, a lot of aliens. The, a lot of aliens. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Mm. I didn't uh, yeah. <laughs> this the sadomasochist Gigan. That's the one it's oh, really yeah. good for. Yeah, Gigan's yeah. kind of got a BDSM 
phase that he's going through Which, in that one. <laughs> just, I probably um, have to do some research, but I'm sure there's a reason with that one. Probably. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, he we we joke that he looks like leather bound, but it, it it's just a more slimmed down yeah. version of of him. But he does look like he's wearing leather. Leather daddy guy again. Yeah, leather daddy guy My favorite guy again is still the chicken. I still love the chicken. <laughs> The giant, giant or penguin. I, I always refer to him as a penguin, but people have started calling him chicken. So I've, but yeah, he just looks like a giant lizard the penguin bird. thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, Nick, we hope that we answered that uh, for you, and uh, we're so thankful for you reaching out to us uh, again. If anybody. Yeah, again, if anybody wants to reach out to us, you can always do that, kaijuweekly at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at kaijuweekly on Twitter. Um, so that's going to be the end of this episode. The only other thing that I want to do before we get into plugs is I want to ask the trivia question that is hinting to next week's episode, who, which we're actually going to have another guest, um, a returning guest for that one, because Michael is going to sit that one out and we're going to have an, another person come in to help me with this movie. So the trivia question for next week is what fluffy horror film brings together one of the stars of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and two actors from Star Trek the original series. So if anybody uh, wants to give us an answer to that, you can email us kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Kaiju Weekly. You can also check out the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group where I will share that question on that Facebook group and you can comment on that thread and give us an answer. Whether you get it right or wrong or you want to just give us a funny answer, we'll take them all and we'll give you a shout out. Um, so, want to thank you so much, Dr. Z, for being on this episode. I am so glad that you were here. I was so excited to have you on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, and we really enjoyed talking Mothra with you. Um, so do you want to plug anything for your work that you do on Monster yeah. or anything like that? Sure. So if you're interested in all the monsters, uh, definitely check out Monstra on YouTube under the PBS Storied channel. We're in our second season. We already went about Kaiju, but there's plenty more to learn about monsters. Uh, you can also follow me at Zarka Emily on Twitter. And so Monstrum has its own Instagram, uh, Monstrum PB. So we share some of the original artwork and even some artwork there. So it's a cool place to check out. Yeah, the artwork awesome. for uh, all of your videos is amazing. I, I love the artwork. We have an amazing um, illustrator. We're very lucky to do. have him. He, he, his, yeah. his work, I'm assuming, would you, it was a gentleman that uh, you guys work with for the, for the artwork, I'm correct? Yeah, it's Samuel Allen. Um, he's actually located in the UK, but yeah, the uh, creative director, uh, myself, and he work together um, for inspiration, coming up with our own unique views of the creature. But yeah, the show wouldn't be the same without him. So we're very lucky to have him. I bet those creative meetings are awesome. A lot of people talk, but yeah, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so, and we will definitely um, include the links to the storied channel and Monstrum in the show notes, um, because I encourage everyone to go and watch the, those videos, because they are amazing. Um, Yeah, so for us, I'm going to just say thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, we are at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter, and uh, at Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. You can send questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com you can also find us at the kaiju groupie facebook group also follow michael at kaiju groupie 54 on twitter and the kaiju groupie on instagram and we also want to say a big thank you to Brian, Shiger, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. Again, we are doing a giveaway for anyone who is supporting us at the $10 level um, by May 6th. If you sign up, you can get a free t-shirt sent to you uh, that is Kaiju Weekly themed. Um, but again, we also know that now is a difficult time for people, so if you can't support us that's perfectly fine just sharing the podcast with your friends for with anyone who is a giant monster fan that is all the support we really need um yeah but if you do want to support us you can check out the podcast uh the patreon at patreon.com slash kaiju weekly pod and so I usually do my sign out uh, to close out the episode and my sign out is help control the giant monster population have your giant moths uh, spayed or neutered (laughs) (laughs) and we will see you guys next week absolutely thanks guys